Our Old Testament reading is in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 1 to 13, which is on page 53 in the Bibles we provide, and page 32 in the children's Bibles. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth, month of this, on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what, what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner, you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike at all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is the word of our Lord. Our New Testament reading is in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 to 14. It's on page 1030 in the Bibles we provide and page 294 in the children's Bibles. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing, as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, 
numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down in worship. This is the word of our Lord. Sermon text for this morning comes from John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42, which can be found on page 886 of the Bibles that we provide and on page 194 of the children's Bibles. The next day he, being John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw that they were following him and said to them, What are you seeking? Said him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Said them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that hour, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You should be called Cephas, which means Peter. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise be to God. Father God, we pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and to our minds this morning. You would add to the reading of your word with an understanding so that we know who you are and how we need to live for you in this world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We have now finished um, last week our study of the book of Philippians. And this week, as we've already talked about, it is Advent. It is a season of waiting. And if I'm honest, I'm really bad at waiting. I'll give you a good example. Yesterday for my wife's birthday, she wanted to go up to the mountains to go see the lights at Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. Let me tell you on the front end, it's crowded. If you don't know that yet, on a Saturday during the wintertime, it's crowded. Well, we decided while we were there to go into the outlet mall. I don't like to tell people what to do generally. Don't do that. That was a bad decision. And it's one of those things where we kind of found our way in, but you couldn't find your way back out. Like it was just so packed in. There was no place to turn. You're kind of stuck in the middle, people going. And after about three or four minutes of this, my eye starts to twitch like like this. I start tapping my foot really fast or my hand really fast. I can't help it. I just don't wait well. I'm great at wasting my own time. I just don't want to be forced for someone else to waste my time. So um, I just say that to you because here we are in a season of waiting. First, as we think about Advent, it just means coming, that we are waiting on Christ to come. 
And there's a sense in which that's easy for us because we know Christmas day is right around the corner. We see that. And like our Old Testament brethren, we long for Christ to come. And we know that he will come in bodily form. We will celebrate his birth. But unlike them, Advent is a season for us to eagerly expect him to return. This season is about us longing for Christ to come back, longing for him to redeem this world, make all things new and take us to be with him forever. And it makes sense for us that this season of waiting resonates with just the history of our church as we wait on a senior pastor. And I wanna just give one word to that to y'all. If at the end of this season of waiting, all we get is a senior pastor, then we wasted our time. Now, don't misunderstand me. I pray every day that we have a senior pastor. I long for that day. I'm excited for that day, for someone to come and lead this congregation. I am excited, can't wait. But if all we get out of this season is that, we've missed it. Because what we need in this season is more of Christ. What we need is more of him. And we wait expectantly longing for him to show up and for us to know him and trust him more because we need him. It's the beauty of a season like this. So what we're gonna do for this Advent season for the next five weeks, we're going to look at the different names of Jesus and how they come to bring us what our candles represent, how they bring us hope, how they bring us joy, how they bring us love, how they bring us peace. And for this morning, I want, I need all the kids. Kids, if you're in here, I need your attention right here real quick, okay? Got a little challenge for you. Thank you. Okay, I heard someone talking. Thank you. Thank you for talking back. I love that. The name for today is the Lamb of God. Now, starting right now, that one didn't count. I want you to count how many times I say Lamb. That one counts. That's one. I'm helping you out. When the service is over, meet me right here. I'll be sitting on the steps. You tell me your number and I've got a treat for you, okay? Adults, you, if you can do it too, okay, fine. If adults, if you wanna count it, if you wanna treat, I probably have enough. You can come up too, we'd love for that. But our name for today is the Lamb of God. And so for John the Baptist, we need to understand the setting. We understand the context of what's happened. John's gospel does not give us Jesus' baptism where the other gospels do, but it's referred to by John. So this moment in time, Jesus has been baptized He's been through his 40 days of temptation in the desert and he shows up back on the scene. And John the Baptist in that moment is speaking to his disciples and he gives them a message that is important for them and is very important for us as well. And he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's all we're gonna focus on is that one phrase. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The first part of that is this word, behold. So often it gets lost in translation for people. They don't understand what it means. And it's this idea of getting someone's attention. But it's more than just like, if you have someone in your life and they're not paying attention, hey, 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 it's more than that. It's this picture of behold, don't miss this. Look, see, something important is happening. This word is only used in the New Testament 26 times and almost half of them are used by an angel. That is saying, don't miss what's about to happen. Don't miss what I'm about to do. Don't miss what you're gonna see right here if you're paying attention. 
And we live in a society that constantly longs to distract us. Last week, um, we were at the beach on vacation and there was this group of like five teenage girls while we're at the beach, like beautiful, perfect day, the ocean's coming in and they're all on their phones. I wanted so desperately to go grab them and throw them all in the ocean. I can't afford all those phones. They're really expensive nowadays, so I didn't do it. Now, okay, maybe they were looking at their Kindle or their Bible app or whatever, but my guess is no but I wanted to go grab them by the cheeks and be like, behold, look, look at this that God has given. Look at this creation. It's beautiful. For you and for I, who can be so easily distracted by the things of the world, John the Baptist is grabbing you by the cheeks and going, behold, don't miss this. In the midst of all your decorations, don't miss this. In the midst of all your parties and celebrations, don't miss this. In the midst of all your shopping, don't miss this. Behold, to get their attention in the right focus. And what was their attention to be on? The Lamb of God. And the little words make all the difference. The V and the of are gonna make a huge difference to understanding this the Lamb of God. What John the Baptist wanted to make sure that they understood was this is it. This is the sacrifice. This is the one that you've longed for, the one you've waited for, the one that is to come, the Lamb. Not one of many, not one of a bunch that might come later, the one. Final, complete sacrifice. The Lamb of God. And for us, we don't understand. We hear Lamb you probably think little cute little fluffy sheep and stuffed animals. And maybe some of you have been a shepherd before, I doubt it, but maybe, maybe that's your context. For them, they heard lamb, they thought of something totally different. They immediately would think of the law. They would immediately think of the sacrificial system because one of the possible options that you had when you showed up for your sacrifice to take away your sin was to offer a lamb. Not only that, Do you know that every day in the temple, every day the temple existed, the priests every morning and every night offered a lamb as a sacrifice for the sins of people of Israel. Every day. The word lamb used 110 times in the Greek version of the Old Testament and 86 of those is about a sacrificial lamb. They had a clear picture when they heard lamb of what was to come. It was a sacrifice. It was one who would be slain. And they understood that picture. They thought of Abraham and Isaac. If you remember that story, God calls Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. They go up on the mountain and right before Abraham does it, God says, stop. And he says, I've provided the sacrifice. And what does he find? A ram caught in the thicket by its horns who became the sacrifice. They would think most of all of Passover. It's why we read our Old Testament lesson for this morning. They would think of Passover. Passover was that moment, as you remember, as we read through, when God said, what I'm calling you to do is to take a lamb, a perfect spotless lamb, and I'm gonna make it a sacrifice. And then what I want you to do is take the blood and put it on your door. And when you do that, when the angel of the Lord comes through, it will not harm you because it sees the blood 
And because of that, you will be passed over. My wrath will turn away from you. So they understood when they hear lamb, that's the picture in their mind is thinking about this sacrificial lamb, this one whose blood is gonna take away their sin, who's gonna push apart God's wrath. But it wasn't just that, to them it was also a lamb of deliverance. Think through this, Passover to them was getting released from slavery out of Egypt. So when they think Passover, they think lamb, they think this sacrifice, they're thinking about leaving. And so when they, in this context here, behold the lamb of God, they're thinking, great, finally, I'm gonna get away from Rome because Rome is my enemy. Rome is the biggest issue and problem in our life. And as John the Baptist is gonna walk us through in just a second, no, your greatest conqueror and your greatest enemy is your sin. Your sin and my sin is our biggest enemy in our life. And we need someone to take care of that. That's why Christ came. Behold the lamb of God. And notice what it is. Again, lamb of God. Before this, what was it that happened? All of these people had to bring their lamb to God. They had to bring it with them. And now God provides and says, I'm gonna give you the lamb that you need. It's a lamb of God, I will give it. The only sacrifice you will ever want or need is right here before you. He provided it. But that's not even the most full picture. As we read in Revelation today, this picture of a lamb is not some poor, pitiful creature. It is the conqueror. As we read, what happens at the end of all days, they have to open the scroll to begin the end of the world. And no one is found to be worthy, no one in heaven, no one on the earth. And they say, but one, a lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy. And as they look to watch the lion, what do they find? A lamb who looked like they had been slain. And the lamb was worthy. In Revelation, the lamb of God is used 29 times. And it's always this idea of triumphant. It, yes, it's about his love and his sacrifice, but it's also about his triumph for us. He is the lamb of God has won for us. So behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist was speaking to the hearts of his disciples. It's not even what they thought they wanted or needed, but their question in their mind is, can I be forgiven? Can I be accepted? Can I be good enough in God's eyes? And he says, one can make you that way. The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this idea of takes away, there's two different ways to look at it, okay? One is when someone takes something onto themselves. Like imagine I had someone up here and they took my jacket and they put it on. That is one connotation. Another connotation is someone comes up here, takes my jacket and burns it. I would prefer they don't, but I understand that's, that's part of it. And so when we think about this with Christ, which is it? And the answer is both. The Christ, when he takes your sin, he took it and bore it on himself on the cross. That's why he had to die. That's why God turns his back on him. He got the wrath yours and my sin deserved. He took it on himself. He didn't just take it and throw it away. He bore our sin. He wore it for us. But then when he died and we rose again, he burned it. 
done, over, it is finished. It is no more as far as the east is from the west. So he has separated us from our sin. He takes it away completely. That we no longer under the power, no longer under the penalty, no longer we on the guilt that comes from sin. He has made us new and fresh. He's taken away the sin. And I love that we think of God in past or we think of God in future. He died for me. He will come again. This is not what it says here. It doesn't say that he took away your sins or he will take away your sins. It says he takes away. This lamb of God continually, every day takes away your sin. The sin that you have today, the sin you have tomorrow, he is taking it away every day. Every sin, every issue, every problem. And that's why when it says sin, it's not plural, it's singular. It takes away the sin, which means the sin nature, the sin issues, the sin problems that everything falls up under. He takes away the sin of who? Of the world. That the Lamb of God has opened up access used to be the only ones who could get close to God were the Jews because of their heritage, because of their obedience, because of their law. Now it's to all the world. He is the sacrifice for all of us. His sacrifice is sufficient and powerful enough to take away all the sins of everyone. Now, not everyone will believe, not everyone will follow, but his sacrifice for you and for me is powerful enough to take away all of our sin. Every bit completely and done. He takes away the sin of the world. But he doesn't just leave us there. Once the lamb has been slain, once our hearts as temples have been cleansed of the pollution of sin, it tells us right below when John's talking about baptism, that Christ will baptize us with the Holy Spirit that he gives us what we need. He doesn't just forgive us and leave us out on our own and hope for the best, but he fills us, he baptizes us as his people with his Holy Spirit that we may know him, that we may love him, that we may serve him, that we may share him more. To behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What do we do with that? It's a great message. It's a great way for us to think about what do we do? How do we live this out? Let's look at what John the Baptist did. The first thing we've got to know is we've got to truly understand and truly know Christ. Keep in mind, John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins. And John the Baptist says, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know he was the Messiah. I didn't know he was the Christ until his baptism, until the spirit fell on him. I didn't know. There's a sense in which we don't fully get or understand who Christ is. Because right now, especially during this season, we're thinking of our little nine pound, six ounce baby Jesus in his golden diapers. That is not who he is. He is so much more. He's a lamb of God. John the Baptist knew him as the son of God not just the sacrifice, but the son who has all the rights, all the powers, all the abilities. He is God, perfectly human, perfectly God. He is so much bigger than you give him credit for, so much more powerful than who you think he is. 
We've got to know and understand that on the deepest parts of who we are. That's who he is. And when we understand that, you know what we'll do? What he wants us to do to point others. John the Baptist, what's he do? I love this. He has this great way of pointing other people to Jesus, even to his own detriment. Keep in mind, these are his disciples, his people that spend time with him, his people that are around him, that have given up everything to be with him. And he is quick to go, behold, Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. But what I love is they don't get it. You know how we know they don't get it? Because he does it again the next day. The next day he's seen with two more of his disciples and he's like, I mean, I don't know how many times I got to do this with these guys. Behold, the lamb of God. Because it wasn't just enough to them to know the truth. It is not enough for you and I to be able to intellectually assent to truth. They got it, they understood when they left John the Baptist and they followed Christ. When they left and followed Christ, it shows that they got it. They understood. And what does Andrew do at the end of that? Once he hears who Christ is and believes who Christ is, he goes straight to Peter, his brother. He goes straight to tell someone else. You and I have the truth that everyone longs for. We have the way for them to be forgiven of their sin. We have the way to make this life make sense. We have the way to give them hope for something that is well beyond this world. We have that truth. And we're called to give it to those around us. And each and every one of us have those people in our lives that need to know the truth that behold the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. As the end of this, as you see what happens, as Andrew and the other disciple follow Jesus, they found this really interesting truth. They're following Jesus from a distance. They're not really sure what to do. And Jesus stops and talks to them. He had been waiting on them the whole time, looking for them, waiting for them to say something. And they don't. And he goes, what are you seeking? He says, come and see. The God of the universe right now stands ready to say to you, what are you seeking? What are you seeking from this holiday? What are you seeking from this next month? What are you seeking from in your job, in your marriage, in your relationships? What is the thing you seek? Because Christ says, you know what? Just come and see. Come and be with me. Come and let me show you truth of who you are. And the more that we know him, the more that we understand him, the more quickly we are to share him with other people. The more quickly we will go out as his people this week and we will go, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.